This podcast was brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on Sirius XM. I am absolutely excited to talk about this amazing company, this amazing brand, the thought leaders behind this incredible, venerable institution. We've got Bill Bluebaugh, Senior Vice President, Marketing and Communications at Utz Quality Food, as well as Mark Schreiber, EVP, Executive Vice President and Chief Customer Officer at Utz Quality Foods. Welcome to the program, Bill and Mark. Thank you. Thank you. Good to be here. Um, You know what? It's incredible to have you guys here. I want to dive into this now because I I love the back story. And I love the fact that, you know, and in a a very, what seems like what people would think is a simple category of snack foods is is quite complicated in in the context of innovation, right? Like how do you innovate, you know, in this category, if you've been doing, if you start in the, in the domain of potato chips, pretzels, and you build cheese puffs, you build upon these sort of fundamental snacks. As you start thinking about the trends that start happening, Bill and Mark, how do those trends and what are they that sort of drive certain elements of innovation? I was reading online about sort of when the health thing started kicking up that Utz produced some lines of some more, quote, quote, healthier uh, snacks. But I want to get both of your perspectives on some of the, the critical kinds of, you know, previous perhaps super important milestone watershed trends, both then and now that are affecting kind of what you're doing and in specifically what is Utz doing to respond to those trends? We'll start with you, Mark. Yeah, I think, um, you know, from an Utz standpoint or salty snacks, we look at it really from a craft convenience, you know, being local and and really the better for you. And so we sort of look at our portfolio and the way that we uh, service the consumer, the customer, uh, in those areas, and and as we as we look to you know what what are some of the consumer trends? What's happening outside of the salty snack business? So you know, looking at culinary uh, for inspiration, and you know we we are are constantly working with our partners too. So our flavoring partners, our ingredient suppliers, etc., and sort of taking all that information in. We listen, we try to keep an ear to our customer as well, because it's very important. What are they trying to contend with? Mm-hmm. And how do we bring solutions and solves for that consumer uh, to help their lives, uh, you know, improve? And, and I think that's really, uh, you know, you can really see that manifest itself, especially in convenience as mm. you multi-serve and, and variety and, and pulling that in. Interesting. Bill, what, would, what was seen in terms of when the pandemic hit? Snack food consumer trends. Were there anything that was anything that happened that you thought was particularly interesting? Did, did growth explode? Did it slow down in terms of the ability to, to move, continue to move products successfully? What 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 did what did you see out there, Bill, in terms of those sorts of things that were happening? Yeah, we saw a really big response to eating at home. Obviously, when people were at home and. Salty snacks are are great, uh, you know, through the day as well as companion snacks to in home eating, like mm-hmm. lunch snacks and uh, uh, you know after after school snacks. And so we actually saw a nice uptick in just that core indulgent part of our portfolio. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, potato chips, tortilla chips, uh, and then you know as things got you know further in, you know, we start started to see other parts of the uh, the category respond, like more permissible snacking, like you know pretzels and popcorn. And uh, even some of the better for you snacks started to come back towards the uh, latter half of last year. But I think initially we just saw a big sort of like, you know, those core indulgent um, trusted brands, Mm. potato chips doing really, really well. And that that actually a trend has continued. Um, It's like, you know, it's comforting. It's familiar. It's, you know, uh, something that everybody can 
agree on. Um, but we are starting to see some of the better for you trends return. Gotcha. Bill, I want to ask you to help understand, help us conceptualize the Uts brand. Tell us its ethos. Tell us what it stands for. Tell us its brand meaning. Tell us how you, the, the mission that you have that you like to take to the marketplace to create this community of snackers who have so uh, loyally fallen in love with the brand. Well, it's, it's really not that complicated. But, uh, <laughs> see, Mark, his answer is going to be, they're really good chips. <laughs> yeah, see snacks, eat snacks, repeat, you know. Yeah. Um, no, but it's, it's, we've actually done a lot of work over the last year on, um, you know, strengthening our positioning and how we think about the Uts brand, you mm-hmm. know, because it, it is such like a, uh, it's still pretty regional, I'd say, you know, mm. but uh, you have a lot of, uh, a lot of loyal consumers and, you know, just getting under, under that insight that, um, you know, that's behind the, the repeat purchases and that, that loyalty and love for the brand. And one of the things we found is that, you know, people who really love Uts and the reasons they love Uts is mm. this idea of, you know, we are a smaller, you know, crafted brand. Interesting. Um, you know, we're not, you know, corporate food in that sense, you know, like we're not like, uh, they don't view us as being like mega foods. Mm. And so what we got to was this idea of, you know, unmistakably delicious flavors that mm-hmm. are family crafted. Ah. And the fact that we are family, you know, family owned for a hundred years and still family run, mm-hmm. uh, this concept of in, in our family name is in our name. It's, it's our brand name. Mm-hmm. Uh, this concept of family crafted flavors that only us can deliver is, has been really powerful and resonating with consumers. Interesting. I love that analysis though, but I, I want to pose a question behind to build on what uh, Bill is saying here, Mark. I, I love this idea that family crafted, there's a, there's a, there's a genuine sense of authenticity here that, that's attracted to people. How do, you, how do you juxtapose that, Mark, against the idea of, well, we want to grow potentially, and is, is the argument we don't want to become so big that we lose that family craft ethos? Or so we're going to say we're, we're going to only allow ourselves to grow to a certain point? Or how do you, how do you conceptualize growth? Because you guys have had <clears throat> phenomenal growth over the years. I was looking at the data, 26% growth over, over several years over time, which is astonishing, quite honestly. But like, how do you manage what Bill was describing, Mark, as this notion of we're, we're, we're small. They love us because we're small and we're family crafted, but yet we want to grow. We want to get more customers and things of that nature. How do you manage that tension? Sure. Well, um, you know, I think you heard Bill say we still have a lot of involvement by the family, right? It's still mm-hmm. family led. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so, you know, we've got fifth generation family members that are part of our business. So uh, that's part of it. And I would say that the DNA is definitely, you know, throughout our organization and we can handle growth. And it's, you know, when we're talking about growing, we've still got a lot of upside, right? We've got a lot of people to introduce to the brand. Uh, and and to really introduce to this whole family crafted flavors bit mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, that that we're known for, uh, and I think that um, you know that doesn't change really sort of our core our mm-hmm. core values the way that we approach our customer our partners and and really the consumer I think um, we we've still got that uh, small town feel uh, and and being true uh, to what we deliver to the consumer and to our to our customer partners. Very, very cool. I, I love your title, Mark Schreiber. You're Executive Vice President, Chief Customer Officer. Like People need to understand that that's a very important signal to the marketplace that says we're going to be very 
consumer centric, customer centric, both with in consumer, but also uh, the partners that you guys work with. Give me some some insight, Mark, into the the changing landscape of being able to be uh, an efficient uh, chief customer officer. What are the things that you have been trying to do to make sure that you always continue to lead from the front? Yeah. So, I mean, when you talk about what we just went through this past year uh, and still going through in terms of COVID and uh, being out in front uh, with with our team uh, on the docks, in the stores, ah. uh, you know, always making sure that safety came first. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we talk about, you know, working through different, uh, you know, challenges and so forth uh, with the customer is that, you know, we've got to be uh, in front. Uh, supporting the team and really trying to unify across uh, all of our uh, our organization and our functions. So, I think that's uh, that's a key part of how do we deliver? What's our promise? And being a chief customer officer, it's really making sure that we put the customer first in terms of everything that we do. Bill, I want to jump back to you and talk about this notion of this brand building exercise and thinking about the communications piece here. Uh, I know it's the hundredth anniversary, guys. Come on, this is exciting. <laughs> A hundred. I'm excited because when I go downstairs and eat the chief, eat the cheese puffs, I'm going to be like, I spoke to the, the the leadership that created this actual amazing product. Talk a little bit about Bill, how you are celebrating the hundredth year anniversary of this venerable institution, and some of the things that you're doing that you're trying to pull in, perhaps, Bill, uh, from a messaging perspective, from talking to the marketplace to let everyone know that you know the, you guys have reached this incredible milestone. Yeah, definitely. It's it's a pretty exciting year, and we're actually just getting started with the celebrations. We have a whole calendar built around uh, you know various uh, points in the year that we're going to you know celebrate different things. We call it the uh, Year of a Hundred Wishes. Is kind of like our organizing idea, and that's uh, extending to consumer activation as well as uh, employee engagement initiatives, mm-hmm. as well as you know lo- local community um, things that we're going to be doing to really kind of just. First of all, thank everybody for, you know, giving us 100 years of, of success and, you know, here's to the next century of growth for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, one of the things that we're working on that's going to be launching next month mm-hmm. is a consumer promotion. It's called Our Candle. Your, Our Candle is Your Wish. And ah. uh, it's a little bit of... Uh, you I know, saw what you did there. You guys are like incredibly clever. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the, the, the one thing about, the one thing about company awesome. birthdays is consumers really don't care that much about it unless it's <laughs> something for them, right? Yes. So, right, right. But it's also just, a, it's a, I think it's the positive sentiment about, you know, what we want people to feel is like we are appreciative of them, you know, enabling <laughs> us to be around for a hundred years. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we have a, an online promotion that, you know, we're encouraging people to, you know, gonna encourage people to blow out the candles on our cake and then, you know, obviously potentially win prizes, free snacks and different gear and giving some people some, uh, some fun and year long prizes uh, via this, uh, this consumer promotion. But um, yeah, we have also a number of activities planned for a title sponsor of a big uh, street festival later in the, in the end of the summer in Hanover. Okay. And then uh, we also have a lot of exciting things planned for our, for our employees as well to kind of commemorate and celebrate um, that. So we'll certainly share with you uh, when we have more information about things that uh, are about to happen. Excellent. That's very, very exciting. I love that because in some senses, it's like you're, you're creating a community. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, you know, it's incredible family crafted, high quality snack foods, but 
it's also a, a family, it sounds like. Mark Schreiber, talk a little bit about this because what we understand in this world of, of brand building is that a big part of building the brand is to build it from within inside the building first. In other words, the employees, the, the family that could, the, the, literally family with a, in your case, capital F, but usually trying to create this community and like create a sense of internalized belief in the culture so that everyone inside the building actually lives and breathes the ethos of the brand. Talk about some of the things that you guys have done, Mark, with respect to creating that kind of cohesive internal brand culture first, so that when you take the product to the marketplace, that authenticity is actually perceived by the marketplace because everything inside is so genuine and sincere. Yeah. So, you know, I, I would tell you, Americus, that um, our CEO um, and, and, and the rest of our leadership team, I think we're a very flat organization and there's access at all levels. So, gotcha. you know, we'll, you'll hear it from the horse's mouth, so to speak. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, as well as, yes, there'll be things up on the wall and so forth. But uh, I would tell you that uh, very approachable leadership and connectivity. Mm-hmm. And it's not, you know, it's, it's, it's like, uh, it's not a surprise to get a birthday call or wish oh. or connection wow. from, you know, from myself or from the CEO mm-hmm. uh, into our frontline, uh, our frontline folks. Um, so that happens all the time. And, and I, I'll tell you, I'll also offer you, you know, come on out and visit us. I love that. See for yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when we do our 100 year uh, celebration in the street fair and so forth, come to the snack capital of the world, which is right here in Hanover, Pennsylvania. Exciting. So wait a minute, Mark, are you saying that I might be able to, to get some snacks and some Uts swag? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, you, can, you can actually come out and, and, and check it out and see how, how it's made. That's awesome. I really love that. Bill Bluebog, please tell me a little bit, build on what Mark is saying in terms of like taking that authenticity. I'd love that what you're describing is so interesting and building, how do you build it into the messaging? How do you create, you know, that when you take the, 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 the positioning and the messaging to the rest of the marketplace, how do you, how do you make sure that you don't lose that in the sort of simplicity that might be needed to tell, to tell something, to make a commercial, a 30 second commercial or whatever, because you've got hundred years of rich history yeah. behind trying to actually make mm-hmm. that that 30 seconds come alive and be reinforced in the way that's sincere and, and authentic. Talk, talk about how, to, how you do that, Bill. Yeah. Well, just building on uh, Mark's uh, perspective on the culture is like, like, you know, we, we have this saying it's a hundred year old startup and you <laughs> nice. know, that's certainly, I think how we behave and it's an extremely flat organization. Um, you know, we, the, the other thing is like, you know, all the senior leaders are in the manufacturing plant. You know, and it's like it's you know you, you, right you look across and see each other and like <laughs> look out. Awesome. Mm-hmm. My window is you know where the chips are being made right next wow. door, and mm-hmm. yeah, so it's uh, it's a very sort of like you know no one has it's a it's a super low ego culture, which mm. is also very kind of unique. But back to messaging, um, you know, one of the one of the keys that that I've learned about this brand, um, you know, just recently also is about uh, some of the strongest content that we produce mm-hmm. is user generated. Ah, so like the, the more that we, it seems like the more we polish and, and, and Ah. spend time thinking about things the worse it performs. (laughs) And so, uh, you know, that's, it's awesome from a brand standpoint because, you know, it it just really gives us the ability to kind of reinforce that approachable and uncomplicated, playful, friendly, Mm -hmm. um, brand that people want us to be like, Mm -hmm. they don't expect us to be this, you know, corporate brand. Mm -hmm. And so, 
that's been a real unlock for us. Obviously, it's great from a promotion, a production standpoint. It's not as expensive to make, um, but it's really, I think, just being being real, being approachable, and you know, shining the light on on our fans and our family. Mm-hmm. I love this idea, Bill, because what you're talking about is something I speak on a lot uh, with respect to how the communication channel itself to consumers has changed over time. It used to be kind of a one way channel where you stand on the mountaintop and you basically just tell the, com- the, the consumer uh, this is who we are and they either believe it or not. But now we live in a kind of world where it's a two way communication like you, Bill and Mark are saying, because it's like the consumers are now talking to you in their social media channels and the, in their networks, if you will. Uh, and they're able to kind of tell you as a brand, you know, are you really what you say you are and tell others in their network. So there is this kind of pressure that there, there's pressure tests, I think, that happens, especially now in the social media world. And so talk a little bit, Mark, about how the fact that you already were doing this was something that worked really well, but also to lean in more on that social media piece or letting the consumers, the customers or partners actually be a part of the storytelling because it's seen as much more authentic as compared to just putting out the messages from, from the C-suite, so to speak. Well, and there's a, it was a great personality in the little let's girl, right? So that differentiates us as well to just this corporate brand, but Mm -hmm. there's this personality and, you know, the, this, this, uh, identification, uh, with the brand, um, you know, and it's, it's so much, so you talk about that authenticity, um, I mean, we, we have such love for the brand and for the little let's girl. I mean, we, we have, we have fans and, and consumers that have tattoos of the little let's girl. Wow. That's, that's how dedicated mm-hmm. and how passionate they are about the brand. Mm-hmm. And when you, you, you think about that from a, you know, just a, a tattoo standpoint, but also that carries through online and some of that dialogue that occurs uh, and interaction with the brand. I love that example. I study something called identity loyalty, Mark, which is where the consumer internalized the brand so much so as part of who they are, a symbol of self-expression, a badge of identity that they literally are willing to permanently affix the brand on their bodies. And I love that. And the although the idea of the Utz girl on your on like a full Utz girl on my back, that would be that would be kind of an interesting visual. So I want to get you guys quick perspective on. If we have, if you take a look at the hundred-year history of Utz Quality Foods, the amazing products you put out there, and you were to reflect a lot on on this journey that you've been on thus far, what would you give us, our listeners, as kind of the 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 two or three kind of most important things you've learned over that journey, in so far as being able to be effective with your specific roles in the company? Are there any insights you can share with us, being a being this this you know this hundred-year startup? Uh, that 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 you've learned over time that are kind of big aha moments. We'll start with you, Bill, and then we'll go to Mark. Yeah, I think I think it's really um, this this uh, this belief that you know you don't have all the answers, and you know you need to stay connected to you know all the different people, whether it's a customer, whether it's a consumer, uh, whether it's a person running the line, or you know just you know running, uh, doing sales routes and, and delivering uh, potato chips and pretzels to the store. There's just a wealth of, of insight. And um, as long as you are staying connected to those people and you feel, and, and they're feeling like you, they have a voice, mm-hmm. it's better for everybody. And it creates that culture of, you know, inclusion in my, my opinion and my, my perspective matters. Mm. Um, and I, I really do think that it's kind of the secret sauce that's going on at UTS and it has been going on. It's very sort of externally focused, um, 
uh, brand and company and, and this belief that, you know, everybody has, uh, you know, a perspective that could be valuable to the business. Excellent. Mark, what are your thoughts on building on what Bill is saying here? Give me, give me, give myself and your list and, and our listeners some big aha moments here. Yeah, I, I think the big thing that strikes me about us and, you know, I'm, I'm certainly a newcomer relative to 100 years, mm-hmm. um, but I think the company in, in, in terms of our team and our organization and the approach and the brand, it's about being humble and hungry mm. and, and really, you know, humble in ways that we understand there's a long way to go. And that, you know, we have to earn our right at the shelf with the, re- with the retailer and with the consumer day in and day out and, and deliver that product, uh, you know, that product quality each time. Uh, hungry in the sense that, you know, we want to provide access to our brand, right? Mm-hmm. And there's so much more to go. There's so much more to go in terms of, you know, across channels uh, where people consume uh, information and content and then just geographically, you know, so uh, we, we constantly are, are, are pushing for that in terms of being hungry and, and sort of, you know, what, what, what's the next thing that's going to take us from this growth? And that's what's really, you know, driven us over that 100 years. And, and that's around making the adjustments that are necessary to get there. Very, very cool. Bill and Mark, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank, thank you. you. It's great to meet you. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.